<clears throat> All right. Sorry about that. A little bit of technical issues. Um, <clears throat> but we are live. The uh, Oregon Libertarian Podcast. My name is Will Hobson. Uh, today, uh, we are going to be having a Q&A with uh, Leon Noble, who is the uh, Libertarian gubernatorial candidate for the Libertarian Party of Oregon this uh, election cycle, 2022. And uh, yeah, we just wanted to bring him on and uh, ask him some questions about his candidacy, since we are the Oregon Libertarian Podcast. Um, uh, thanks for coming on, Leon. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Great. Um, let me just make a couple adjustments here. Um, are you... Uh, let me see if I, oh okay that's on my end all right sorry my mic is now working properly hopefully um yeah um i am sure we uh, uh peter also has some questions for you too and, and if we want uh we can also take some questions from the audience uh colin is really great for that but uh yeah first i guess the the really kind of softball basic question is uh why uh, what initially made you want to run for governor uh, for the Libertarian Party? Well, uh, I, I was hanging out with Spike Cohen at his Eugene um, showing, uh, his Eugene speaking engagement uh, back in September 2020. And I was not a party member at that point. I, I was looking pretty hard and agreeing with a lot of things that were said and uh, and a lot of the party platform, not all of it, but a, a lot of it. Um, and uh, so as I'm, I, I volunteered to, to pull security for him at that speaking engagement. And he said some things, I don't remember what they were, but they, you know, the, the more he talked, the more my head kept shaking up and or nodding up and down. And, and the, the more I realized that I needed to look harder and about three weeks later, I had joined the party and declared um, with the, the concept being that I was looking at the, well, I was looking at the lowest common denominator because that's, that's, that's what usually ends up coming to the top at, uh, at, at election time. And I, I did not see anyone that I thought would be in the field for any other um, organization that would represent my views. And uh, I, I say it often, but the first rule of volunteering is do it yourself because no one else is going to. Um, so that's what I did. I did it myself. I volunteered to, to do this with the intent that I was going to create a platform and learn everything that I could and build a um, an organization that would support candidates in the future because we didn't have one uh, sure. as a party. So um, that that's where I'm at. That's what I'm doing. It, it's become much, much larger than just me. Um, and I didn't quite think that I would make it actually this far. I figured that if I made it into a poll, it'd be a 1% because no one would know what I was, you know, who I was or what I was talking about. And the one poll I did see, I... Well, it translates to about 90,000 votes, so um, I'm okay with being a spoiler at this point. Oh, wow. 
Well, that's that's quite a few votes. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't mind if those uh, those came in on uh, election day. Uh, yeah, um, I well, guess I, I've been I've been I haven't seen a poll with my name on it since, and I've mm -hmm. even been invited to take a poll and it didn't have my name in it. So I expect that that particular poll uh, made it a point to to keep me from from being in the polls at that point because I had I had. 3% of the responses and you know how polls work. They only call a certain number of people. It's not like they call 3 million voters and ask them all what they think. They, they call a thousand and then postulate what they're going to uh, see. So uh, at, at that point, I figured I was going to be suppressed. Sure. It has happened. Um, well, and I'm okay with it because yeah. it, they can't, they can't stop the message that I'm, that I'm sending. The, the message I'm sending is set Oregon free, not, free Oregon, not please let us have our freedoms back. It's set Oregon free. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm taking a page from Moses and, uh, you know, let my people go. Yeah. I'm going to give you a really soft softball here and say, uh, ask you what your website is actually. Would, would it happen to be set Oregon dot org? It is. Setoregonfree.com. Oh, sorry. Dot, dot com. Sorry. Actually, I have it yes, pulled up here, com. but I did. Uh, <laughs> and the reason that we've done that I've done that is because I had I spent the first uh, year running alone and gathering other people and saying this is what I need from you just just set up the just set up what you um, you know what what kind of media outlet social media outlet and website that you want and then we're going to link it directly on here and if everybody says setorganfree.com every single time all of us benefit from that all of us benefit i i haven't been asking for donations to my own campaign it's all been let's go to setorganfree.com and donate to sort of set Oregon free um and the reason is is because well here's here's where we start getting into the learning curve um I, I, we've, we've done a hard look at the rules and the way the rules work is that if you spend, um, we're going to use round numbers here. If you take a million dollars and four candidates are, are, are viewed and speak in that and they knew about it and were okay with it and participate in it, those four candidates now have to have, um, have to have the, so what I'm looking for, they have to have credit for the, the million dollars that was spent, which means that that million dollars is now a gift in kind to their campaign contributions. No cash was spent over, but now they've they've breached the $3,500 campaign uh, funding because they had a gift in kind that totaled a million dollars. Yeah. And there were four candidates and one million was spent and that equals five million. Because one million was actually spent, and then four other people got credit for it. So that's what's happening is with with the numbers. It's it's entirely impossible, entirely possible to inflate the numbers as a result of that. But mm -hmm. if if I'm running a statewide campaign, um, and there's a local uh, a local person in in a market, I should be drawing that person into the market, and we should both be. Uh, doing an ad for the market instead of having just one person spend a lot of money to get very little traction because uh, it, 
it sends a message that we're not alone. It's not just me in the room. It there's look, it's me and this other guy and another guy and sure. this gal over here and who you know it it snowballs from there. Oh, oh wow, there's five of them now. And then another That's, market gets the same yeah. kind of treatment. Holy crap! Now there's thirty of them because we went through a bunch of different markets. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great. Yeah, that, that's that makes sense to me. Um, I, I, yeah, it, it gets worse though. Um, we have the Portland market, the Port, Portland metro area. We mm -hmm. have Salem. We have Eugene. Uh, there's Roseburg and Medford, and I think that you even have to go into Redding, California, to reach some some people down there. Um, then, and then if you go across the north end of the state, you have to hit Tri-Cities, Washington, Walla Walla, Washington, and, uh, that covers from basically the Dalles to maybe, maybe, uh, LeGrand, and then Baker City, you're going to have to go into the Boise market. So you've at, we've added a bunch of out-of-state markets. Well, nobody's going to go and put a, a TV or radio ad in an out-of-state market from a local campaign because they're not thinking about that. But a statewide campaign, you'd be thinking about that because that's how you get the name out there. So sure. now Washington, Idaho, maybe even Nevada and California are are considered Oregon markets because they overlap the, rate, the waves. And you can't stop the signal, so you might as well go ahead and use it. Sure. Uh, yeah, that, that's all good Good stuff. Um, I'm going to uh, transition really quickly to um, uh, issues and... Um, um, I, I know that um, actually first I think we we'll, should probably cover this the uh, the fact that you're I, I wanted to give you a chance to kind of explain uh, what happened with the candidate statement because um, I, I know uh, you're you know you uh, you actually put an effort to uh, gather signatures correct and, I did and and, and, and I got and to about a hundred it, okay. it took me it took me a couple of weeks to get to a hundred so. Um, what, what happened with the candidate statement is that I did everything that I was supposed to do, but the time frame that I had, because I thought I had to play by a certain set of rules that didn't actually exist, the time frame that I had um, was not the appropriate time frame to do it in. If I had started in January, I could have gotten all 500 signatures and then some. Um, sure. But I didn't, didn't know that I could start in January. I had, I had to wait until I had the nomination. And it turns out you don't have to. You can put that in, you know, if you want to, you can put that in in November of the previous year. But if you don't win your primary, they don't print it and they don't refund your money if you paid for it. So mm -hmm. apparently we just did things slower than, than we needed to um, and set our, we, we, well, we kind of set up um, with, with the timelines being a little bit weird for our primary, we're kind of set up for for a, a for for kind of a, a little bit of chaos there. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and I, you know, I think the cost is like, isn't it like two thousand five hundred for the governor? Or is it three thousand? It's three thousand dollars. Yeah. So um, yeah, if you, that's a lot of money to come out of somebody's pocket to just. It, uh, it is. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not spending I'm not spending my time asking people for donations because I don't I don't want to spend millions of dollars on this. Um, it, it doesn't make fiscal it's not fiscally responsible to 
take a bunch of people's money and then spend it on frivolous things like advertising for a ninety thousand dollar year stipend and donor volunteer position doesn't make any sense to me mm -hmm. i don't know why we're allowing that to happen um we don't really have a campaign finance problem what we have is a media access problem we have it in the campaign uh, I, I gotta throw out some props charlene cox has has stepped up to take on the reins of of the legacy communications uh, legacy media communications director and she made the stink to the right people and got it in writing from people that the reason that I was excluded from the debates is because I did not pay for the seat. Oh, we have it in writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, got a question. Yeah. <laughs> a question of, of having campaign finance issue. It's a question of we didn't spend money on and specifically we didn't spend $5 million to get a seat on the first debate. And as a result, the, the rest of the debates, the, the money requirement went up. Oh, the, so, so the money was, how much money was required? Five million. Oh, in and advertising? In like... In advertising. Yeah, in, in advertising. It, 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 you had to raise and spend five million dollars. So that's that's a big problem because yeah. now yeah. You're, you're literally <laughs> being told that the people who are supposed to give you a voice are not going to give you a voice unless you pay them for it. Because the organization that, that gave that to us was the Oregonian and Oregon Live. And they have happened to own the same company owns a ad placement agency for, for political ads. Oh, that's, that's, uh, wow. It's a what conflict a... of interest. Um, <laughs> you it's, think? it's a massive conference of, in conflict of interest to own a, a advertising ad, a placement agency when you make money from advertising. Yeah. Um, well, uh, that, that, that is very, very true. Um, uh, it, I'm looking here at your candidate statement because you did release a candidate statement just for like the internet to read. And uh, so they could, you know, some people could see it even if they, it's not in the, the paper voters guide. Um, and you, and here you talk a lot about balance. Um, and can you explain why that, it seems to take up a large portion of your, of your candidate statement. Uh, can you explain what balance means to you and why it's necessary for Oregon? Well, the problem here is that we've had a couple of decades of not having some balance and we have we have no balance in our, our legislature and we have no balance in the governor's position. And the role of the governor really isn't to run the state. It's to balance the people's voice with the legislature's voice. And if the people are saying one thing and the legislature is saying another, then the governor is supposed to stop the bills that are coming across their desk and either send them back to get fixed to the people's expectations or heaven forbid this actually happen, just stop them altogether. Instead, what we've had is a, a governors that have been colluding with the legislature and they're not part of the legislature. They're a different branch of government. We still have the same three branches that the federal government has in Oregon. They're, the governor is supposed to check the legislature if they're colluding with the legislature legislature to pass things that the people don't want or veto things that the people do want which that has also happened then they're not doing their job and if they're harming the public they're not doing their job that requires being able to balance what the public needs with what the the legislature thinks they need to do 
People don't run for office without having an axe to grind. I learned this years ago. My dad uh, got a, a job with a, a board-run organization. They gave him a five-year contract. Um, by the time his contract, was, they were talking about, he didn't even get to finish the contract. They had to pay him for the rest of the contract, but he didn't get to finish the uh, get to finish working there. They basically had terminated him before the contract ran out. The reason was is because the people who had hired him did not have an axe to grind, so they did not stay in office. On, they did not stay on the board. And as the next group of people came in, they had their axe to grind, and their axe to grind happened, some of them happened to be my dad. So he lost out on the job because they wanted something different. And that's okay, but there has to be some balance. Um, and there wasn't in that case either that I can recall, but I wasn't, I wasn't you know, privy to all the details. So, um, my, my dad was, a, uh, he spent years on the Umatilla County Soil and Water Conservation District as a director. And he knew the, the state and federal wildland preservation law as, uh, really well, wetland, especially when it came to wetlands. And he refused to do something that was illegal because they wanted him to do, to pave over a bunch of wetlands for RV spots at that particular golf course. Instead, he made sure the protections were in place so that if they ever did it in the future, they would lose the entire golf course over it. And that pissed them, pissed them off because they didn't want balance on the golf course. They wanted uh, ease, of, uh, ease of use and money generation and, and th stuff like that. So, yeah, um, sure. Speaking of which, I see here that you you have private private governmental uh, experiences, the uh, Umatilla Soil and Water Conservation District. You know, I've always seen that um, that job come up in uh, on the voters' guide, and typically nobody ever, um, almost nobody is ever like running for it, or like maybe one person is each cycle uh, for one of those seats, and uh, a lot of times I feel like a lot of write-ins get in. Um, so it looks like you you got in. Um, what's that like? <laughs> uh, no, I, I didn't get in because my dad was the a director. I spent a lot of time working with the, that organization as a teenager. Oh, oh, oh um, I see. Yeah, my, my dad, when I was in high school, my dad was, was a soil and water conservation district director. I spent oh, okay. more time building fences along creek beds than I did doing homework. Oh, okay. I, I spent more time, I spent... Uh, pretty much a solid week running a, a display for the Soil and Water Conservation District one year because I was the only one, even their staff didn't know how to run the display. They didn't know what to do. It was a, it was a groundwater simulator. So you would put a, a little bit of dye into this display and it, and, and it was a, 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 the dye was a, just food coloring, but it was a, um, it was an example of what happens when you say, you know, dump oil in the ground on a farm. Um, it would, and then you watch it as it would leach through the system. And you say, you'd point out that this was an accelerated system, but it only took a couple of minutes to get to the point where it was in the aquifer and, and contaminating the groundwater to the point where people couldn't drink anymore. Oh, well, that's pretty nifty. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, um, I'm going to, 
let's see here. I want to get, uh, give people a chance to uh, call in. So if you're interested in asking Leon a question, uh, please get in the queue, uh, and we'll I'll take some call. Uh, and we'll take some questions if we anybody wants to. Um, I think Peter wants to ask a, a question before we move on to that segment, or maybe some couple of questions. Uh, Peter, what do you what do you got? Sure. Yeah. Glad to have some callers calling with questions and glad to have you here, Leon. Uh, the question I have is I, I read your Ballotpedia survey that you filled out. And one of the questions was, uh, under what circumstances should the governor of your state be able to use emergency powers? I liked never. your answer a lot and I was hoping you could expand on it. The answer is always never. The, the, the point of an emergency order is because you didn't plan for something. Uh, so the, the idea of an emergency order would, would be that you did not plan the budget in a way that that allows people to take care of business in a normal manner. If you're using an emergency order, what you've done is you've screwed up because you're in charge of the budget. So uh, that and and I you know I get it. I understand that they're, what they're trying to do is use federal money to do a bunch of stuff, but that's not that's we've we've got gotten to the point where everything's an emergency. Sorry, an emergency, the, the state isn't going to be on fire and be an emergency. That, that's not what an emergency is. We know the state's going to be on fire. So, Sorry, follow-up question on that. Um, how do you feel this results in, when it comes to things like health emergencies, like, like COVID, for instance, like having a lockdown order, a stay-at-home order, or mass mandate? Well, that was massive amounts of government overreach on a, on a ridiculous scale um instead of having uh leon could you speak a little closer to sorry could you speak a little closer to your mic um yeah is that better uh yeah it's it's better okay so instead of having a a measured response that had allowed people to make their own decisions what we had was a government response that told people they had to destroy their lives because there was a possibility that somebody might somewhere might die. But the reality of it was, is that they, they weren't in the, the numbers didn't match up to what they were said was going to happen. And even if the numbers did match up, it, the, the initial numbers from the people who were, we're going to use the, the, the word expert here. Um, the, the epidemiologists, the, the numbers that they had, determined were going to happen was 80%, 20%. 80% of the people would never have it or know that they have it. They would not have any sort of symptoms and they would not be expecting to transmit it at that point. 20% were going to have it. Uh, using that same scale, 20% were going to have it. 5% were going to need hospital inf- intervention and less than 1% were, was going to die. Um, and then we had a ton of research come out of the UK and, and the EU and even Asia. Um, I read something in Hebrew from, from Israel that said the lockdowns weren't successful and doing them again was a really, would be a really dumb idea and it would cause more damage economically and socially than it would just to go ahead and let it run its course. So, for some reason, 
certain states in the U.S. doubled down on everything they did, and one state says, we're not going to do anything, and uh, we don't need this money because we're not going to close our economy down. Yeah, uh, I, I will say that um, looking at here at the, the voter's guide and seeing the different candidate statements, um, the only real uh, – honestly, the, the it, it's like – the third party candidates are the only ones acknowledging that we had, you know, this horrific last two years of lockdowns and mandates. Um, it seems like, yeah, the third parties are the only ones bringing it up. It seems like the two major parties are, you know, like barely ag- acknowledging them. Well, and, there's a reason for that. Yeah. <laughs> all, all, all three of those people who are, are spending millions and millions of dollars to get this $90,000 a year volunteer position were part of that problem. They did not participate at a level that would stop the government from doing anything. Drazen says, oh, yes, I, I did. I put this bill out and nothing happened. I said, I'm sorry, you didn't do enough. You did not march on the Capitol armed as, as a representative of the people to stop the government from screwing with the people. You didn't yeah. do enough. You didn't call for for a revolt against. You didn't call. You know, Article One, Section One of our our state constitution says we have the right to abolish our government. It's for us. It's by us, and and it should be about us. But for some reason, the government is not doing that. Yeah, where no, was not. she when we were marching on the Capitol? I mean, yeah, I, I think we, all all three know. of us were there. So, well, I I I will tell you that I went to I went to the trucker convoy. Um, and was that February? I, I think so. When it was. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the trucker convoy and that's the only, the only one I went to because I was asked to speak. Um, I, I did not go to any others because I'm, I'm start, I'm, I'm starting to see the pattern. The pattern here is you can get 20,000 people to say something, but the entrenched, um, entrenched government organization isn't going to listen until you start bringing over a million mm-hmm. because now they, they, they're starting to understand that they might lose an election unless you bring a million or more. There's only 3 million voters roughly in the state. If you don't bring a third of them because there's 25, 26% Republican and about 33%, not quite 33% in Democrat, if you don't bring the rest of them, they can't win without the rest of them. If you don't bring the rest of them, they know that they're not going to be able to successfully do anything. Uh, so you have to you have to pack it. You have to pack it in. And the, the problem with doing that is that you're going to have a massive police presence because they're all going to show up, and nobody's going to be able to speak because they're going to declare riot almost immediately. Yeah, uh, I I will say that uh, yeah, none of the the top three uh, per, for me personally. I'm biased, by the way. You're on the Oregon Libertarian podcast, FYI. If you're listening to this, uh, I, I'm not a fan of uh, any of the uh, three, as they say, most popular candidates. Um, and I encourage everyone, even if you're not libertarian, to vote third party to show that uh, you know we're we're really done with this. You know, let's. Uh, let's break out of the old Ben Garrison cartoon, you know, where it's got the, the boots stomping and it's the, like the left leg kicks the voter. And then the voter says, Oh, this time I'm voting for the other guy. And then the right leg kicks the voter again. And says, Oh, okay. 
that's it. I'm going to go this party now. And, you know, it, it just the cycle repeats over and over again. We got to really got to break out of that that cycle yeah. and just get people to to stop believing that every election is the most important election of your life. It's not. <laughs> the, the only difference between these two parties is this the method in which they steal your money and spend it and the speed at which they steal your rights. Yes. That's, yeah. that's a, it. The, the Republicans take a few more years to take your gun rights away because they use, they, they, they talk you into it versus the Democrats who just try it. It's really hard to do it. Well, as Michael Mal says, you know, like conservatives are just progressives driving the speed limit. Uh, I've, uh, I've uh, become the lane then. Yeah. Yeah. I've become yeah, exactly. There you go. That's the left lane. Yeah. That's a good day. Yeah, okay. Good add on to that, that, that uh, catchphrase. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, um, it looks like we're not getting anyone lined up in the caller list. So um, Peter, if you want to ask uh, some more questions, I've got a couple of like rapid or rapid fire questions to ask uh, Leon. Uh, if you want to go ahead. Sure. I mean, this is a, a new party leadership. A lot of us just got involved in, in politics. Um, I would like to know, like, what can we do going forward, especially in 2024, to better support candidates? Well, the, the, here's, here's what happened with this campaign. Um, I think some people misunderstood what I was trying to do. Uh, I had some, you know, we, you know we, had a, we had a candidate who was jumping in, John Newton, um, who was ready to, to take on a U.S. Senate seat. And we had an, a second organization start that siphoned some people that I had already tapped uh, for said organ free. Now, I was talking to John and trying to determine if he was going to come and be with said organ free at the time so that we could share those resources. We've got this idea that we need to run campaigns as individual, camp, uh, uh, individual candidates. That doesn't, that doesn't work with a small organization. A small organization is going to be better to have a number of volunteers in individual places instead of with individual candidates, because now we can Le- Leon, can you talk a little closer to your mic again? Am I, am I losing, losing me with the mic again? Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, I couldn't quite hear what you were saying. Um, so the, the, the result of, of, what's, of what happened was that we had uh, people who were who were t- already tapped for said Oregon free um, pulled off of said Oregon free to to run an individual campaign uh, that through you know who knows what how, how it happened but through whatever snafu that happened um, wasn't able to continue because of a paperwork malfunction um, I had people who were, who were chasing, who were trying to go find uh, large donation people, and they they weren't necessarily able to find those, but they got pulled off to do other things, and it would be better to have our volunteers be able to cover areas rather than individual candidates because we can utilize the same the same contact. With, let's say we're knocking on doors. We can use the same contact to get multiple things done. Yeah. So, yeah, it, yeah. you know, they, they need to collect signatures for, for this guy and this guy and this guy. They can One person can do that or two people can do that versus 
three people going and, and knocking on a door three separate days. And now, now the person's tired of talking about us. You know, I, and they don't, I, and they don't want to participate anymore. So uh, it, that's what we're trying to do with Center Oregon Free. And, and the con communication somehow broke down that things weren't, um, things weren't communicated effectively. And at one point, somebody, I can't remember who, somebody said, well, Leon seems to be doing just fine. Can't we, um, can't we pull so-and-so off of this um, to do that? And that particular so-and-so wasn't, didn't want to. And that was, that was one of the, the things that was happening. But uh, what we've done now is we've created a pool because we've determined what the rules are and where the conflict of interests are with the state, as far as the state is concerned. Uh, we've created a pool so that we know that we can have one or two people be treasurers for like 30. Um, I'm a tre the, the treasurer for Michael Morrow's campaign fi uh, committee. Uh, Lars Jefferson is, is the, the treasurer for my campaign committee as well as I think I'm the one on record, but he's actually doing the job for said Oregon Free. Um, so it, this, you know, being able to, to gather a bunch of people who understand what the rules are now and say, okay, let's teach a couple other people so that they can participate as a, um, what's the state call it? Uh, there's, a, there's a position that, that helps keep the paperwork straight on Orstar. Um, okay. We bring a couple of those in, and then the treasurer pays attention to the to the, to the big number image, and and we have a couple of people who take care of details. And now we've got this team who's able to do more than one thing. We found a banker who was is awesome. Her name is Haley. She's at Oregon First, uh, or uh, not Oregon First, uh, On Point Credit Union in Albany, and she set us up uh, multiple. Um, bank accounts for multiple organizations over basically over email. All we had to do was pop in to sign for a debit card. And right. it, it was that, I mean, we didn't have to, if we didn't need a debit card, we would never have had to actually drop into the, the branch to get it. But we needed to have mm -hmm. debit cards associated with that. Yeah. Um, and, and so we, we did that. So now that we've found resources, we can, you know, shuffle stuff around. Um, and as a result of having all of these at the same bank, we can even set it up so that if, if we need to reimburse a campaign for, say, uh, they have a, um, they have a, an individual bill of some sort, yep. they can, we can just literally send them the money. We don't have to write a check. We don't have to spend that time. It's just click, click and done because yeah, that's people available. Yeah, that that's fantastic. I, I'm so glad that that stuff's getting figured out. I think that the problem is that we've had a uh, a lot of turnover in our leadership over the last several years. Like even like right after 2020, uh, we lost our you know our our campaigns director and stuff. So I'm glad to hear that we're rebuilding institutional knowledge. Uh, I'm gonna take Pablo's call because he's calling in, and that's probably our one call. Uh, tonight, uh, let's see if he's available. Uh, Pablo, if you want to unmute and uh, ask uh, Leon a question. Hello, everyone. I am Pablo Serrato from Multnomah County. I'm the acting chair of the Multnomah Libertarians. Uh, I am uh, part of the Libertarian Party of Oregon. And I'm really excited about what I've seen, all this energy uh, over the last few months. 
Um, there are people, there are, we now have dozens of people in, in counties all over Oregon looking to set up their affiliates and they're doing social media or social meetups for their county. Um, what's going on uh, in your neck of the woods, Leon, uh, in terms of the county affiliate stuff? Uh, I think you have a lot of energy around the state, but what's, what's happening close to home? I'll take my question offline. Um, well, the Lincoln County Libertarian Party uh, had formed before the 2020 or 2021 um, uh, convention, the state convention. Was that 2021? I think it was, yes. Uh, the one in, in Cascade Locks. So it, it actually happened like a month or two beforehand. And um, I nudged. that my, my role there was to nudge because uh, I needed, we needed somebody there who would be a little more stable. Uh, but the, the problem is, is that they, they were, we, we were having some issues with getting people to attend the meetings. And when we finally got everybody to attend the meetings, we ratified bylaws and, um, and then the bylaws that we ratified somehow got lost. So we were not able to submit our affiliation because we don't know which one is, which version it is that we're supposed to be using. So then Reno happened and the chair quit and he may or may not come back, but he's mad because of what happened in Reno, um, which he's entitled to be mad. But at the same time, it's, that's not how I would have dealt with it. Um, but at this moment, I'm, I'm in the middle of moving. So I may, I, you know, this at the end of the week, I may not be in Lincoln County anymore. Uh, I don't know where I'm moving to yet because I have not secured housing. Um, Are you staying in state? I am staying in state. I'm not leaving the state, but I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be Lincoln County because there's a massive housing shortage and everything is way overpriced. Well, wherever um, you move, we'd be happy to have you as an organizer on, a, on our affiliate strategy. So I, I'm currently waiting on hearing about a property in Lane County in Lowell, um, which will help my, not only myself, my, my child, but my business as well. It's uh, basically renting a shop instead of renting a house, and uh, I'm I'm welding by trade right now. So um, between that and the transportation industry, I'm I'm you know I, I can use a shop. So um, the shop happens to have an apartment attached to it, and and that you know I'm I'm renting the shop with the apartment, and that's just gonna that's gonna help me a little bit because. I, I Great. was struggling doing other things, but um, I'm also advertising in five counties for my welding services as well. Well, I know uh, Lane County's got uh, lots of businesses, so um, should be a good place to uh, plunk down. Um, so we're getting towards the end of this uh, interview. Um, I do want to ask, I know we brought up how, uh, the other governor candidates are the worst and you're the best, but we, um, if you had to pick a favorite out of them, if you had to have a kind of a, a gun held to your head and you had to pick a favorite, uh, which would you, which governor candidate would you pick and, and what is it about them that you like? Um, just pull the trigger. 
Just pull the trigger. All right. Just pull what's the your, trigger. Okay, cause I, the, what's, I, your, what's your least favorite one? I, my, well, uh, Tina Kotek is my least favorite one. I, okay. I'm looking at it this way, and, and I'm, usually, I'm usually correct with, with the patterns. Um, I haven't exactly – I've been you know, adding about 900 as far as political patterns. Um, I see militant Cote, uh, uh, militant Brown, Kate Brown, Kate Brown on steroids, and Kate Brown clone in the the three top candidates. Um, the only other, besides myself, the only other one that made it to the ballot uh, is the Constitution Party candidate, and I've already noted that she said a bunch of stuff that straight up defies the constitution. Um, so given that information, I can't pick any of them because not a single one of them is looking out for us. They're looking out for them. Um, I'd like to be able to pick a, make a, make a pick, but I can't. I, Johnson's website says that she gave up her party, but nothing's changed. She's still a Democrat. She just knew she couldn't beat Kotech in a primary. Um, Drazen, I, I'm, I don't think that she's got enough, uh, let's use chutzpah instead of backbone, but it's the same thing. I don't think she's got enough drive behind her to actually stand up to the legislature. I, I think that everything that's going to happen is going to be negotiated in advance. And I think that, that nothing is going to change and we need the change. We need to have a change in what happens in Oregon. And that change needs to be that the legislature does never have, never ever has the last word ever again. Amen. All right. Uh, I got two other real quick questions. If you want to keep the answer under a minute, um, uh, next, uh, second, to last one is what is your number one issue? Safety and security. And the, the reason for that is because without safety and security, nothing else matters. Everybody gets into this survival mode. They stop producing. The, the gross domestic product goes down. Uh, they, they stop paying attention to things that they need to pay attention to. And uh, then our economy suffers. We have no liberty, no equality, no, no economy, no, no nothing. Everything starts going downhill and, and we dissolve into violent anarchy instead of uh, – Instead of popular growth. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's not talk shit about anarchy, okay? Come on. I don't know. Anarchy is great. Violent anarchy is not. It's true. We live under anarchy or tyranny right now. So. I like anarchy. Gardening is anarchy, but having to go, you know, having to defend yourself against your neighbors is going to be is where it's going to end up. Yeah, we don't want an anarchy tyranny. All right. And so uh, final question. Uh, back in 2018, uh, Nick Chen um, got about uh, for the go the governor's race, uh, got about he was a libertarian candidate for uh, for Oregon in the 2018 election for governor. He got about twenty eight thousand nine hundred twenty seven votes or about one point five five percent of the uh, total, uh, vote. Uh, are you, uh, are you, are you hoping to beat that this, this time around? Well, yes, I'm hoping for about a million votes. <laughs> um, I'm aiming for 3 million. 
I'm hoping for you know that's more that's than the, the registered voters. More, yeah, well, that would be impressive, especially since the, even if they threw out the ones that they confirmed, I'd still win. But um, I, let's be realistic: the, the chances of me winning are fifty-fifty because you're either going to vote for me or you're not. If you want to play the other games, the the vote against games, yeah, totally. The the, the numbers totally drop off after that. Um, I had one guy who said 25 out of 100. No, it's 50-50. Um, it, if you're voting for something, you're not wasting your vote. If you're voting against something, your vote is wasted every single time. So vote for something. It doesn't have to be me, but if you vote for something, then we all benefit. If you vote against, you know, if you <laughs> if you do do what we did in 2020 and vote against the other guy instead of looking at who we could vote for, um, we, we'd be better off if you just voted for something. Um, I voted for Liberty. I voted no on every single, uh, statewide ballot measure. I voted for Liberty. I voted for myself, uh, as for governor, I voted for Liberty. I, I voted for a number of other candidates who were for Liberty. So, um, I'm not wasting my vote cause I'm, I have my conscience. It's clear. Thank you, Lan. We didn't even talk about that, but fuck all of the ballot measures. No on all of them. Thank you. <laughs> every, every last one of them was con- unconstitutional in some manner. Yeah, I, I'm very much against slavery, but uh, I, I keep on reading that the the ballot measure regarding in, involuntary servitude, and I keep on thinking like that's really poorly written. <laughs> well, it would also mean that we'd have more incarcerated, and somebody else pointed out that it might actually legalized slavery if we were yeah i was like reading this like there's something really like i'm not an expert on this but there's something really screwy about how this is written um but uh anyway uh that's about all the time we have tonight um i really quickly want to say thank you so much for coming on leon and uh talking about your race for governor uh if you want to really quickly uh shout out any plugs your website uh your social media handles uh really quick that would be now would be the time to do so. Well, the best way to get to my social media handles is because I can never remember them. Go to setoregonfree.com. You'll see there's a link to every single one of them next to my picture. Um, you'll also find my website. My, my campaign website is not on the same website as setoregonfree.com. So you'll find a link to that campaign website where my platform is explained and then explained in detail if you click on those little extra detail buttons. Um, our our state pretty you know is is pretty diverse and and really needs uh, attention from different places, but one subject is not going to cover the entire state. And we've we've applied uh, blanket fixes to localized problems. It doesn't work. the uh, The state needs balance. Oregon needs balance. It demands balance. On that note, I'm not asking for your vote. I'm asking for your voice. Lend me your voice, and together we will set Oregon free. Awesome. Thank you so much, Leon. And thanks, so everyone, uh, for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully we'll try to get in a couple more candidates, sneak in a couple more candidates uh, before the election. And, uh, yeah, we all, I'll post those soon. Um, Peter, did you want to say something real quick? Just cheers, because that's what we always say at the end of every podcast. Of course.
Cheers. Good night, guys. Oh, and uh, speaking of cheers, uh, tomorrow we are having the uh, Libertarian Halloween party at Puff's Pub Tavern at 8 p.m., or is it? No, it's 8 p.m., yeah, and yeah. we've finally decided on a theme very late, but it's Clown World, so nice. it's whatever Clown World means to you. Awesome. E- excellent. Uh, great. Yeah, come to that. It's at 8 p.m. at Puff's Pub Tavern in Gresham. You can uh, Google map that. Uh, yeah, we, you'll, you'll see us there. Uh, all right. Well, thanks everyone. Have a great night. Cheers.